We're rolling. What's up, everybody? It's a beautiful Monday morning, and you are once again, or maybe for the first time, listening to Modern Guilt. This is, I believe, episode 18. What's up, Damon? How you going? How you feeling? Good. Yeah, it's good. Um, I am like the fucking mid-morning beat, beatnik, you know? It's like 10 o'clock here, and I feel like you're on the fucking drive energy, so... Oh, I don't feel like goes. I'm on the drive energy. I'm doing my best impersonation of enthusiasm in the early morning. So yeah, we're recording like 7 a.m. Brisbane time on a Monday morning. So I'm like, I've been up for, I don't know, an hour and a half now, just trying to trying to wake up a little bit before before the episode. But good, it's fine. I'm normally up super early anyway, because um, my cafe job requires that of me. 5:30 a.m. starts. So, and you have to be like not? present as well, right? Like you have to actually uh, like be engaged and shit. Somewhat, yeah. Yeah. I feel as though most of our customers are not particularly present, and they're like self-absorbed enough that they don't even like know what you're feeling or behaving like. Um, <laughs> you basically may as well be a fucking like vending machine to them. <laughs> and yeah, you yeah. could probably be like hey, I fucked your daughter, and they just, like, wouldn't register it. Yeah, yeah well, but fair enough. That's fine. I mean, whatever. how many of us are morning people anyway? Like, I don't, you know, like, it's asking a lot to be... Yeah, it <clears> is. ...perky um, and present. Also, like, it's important to just remember that caffeine is just totally a drug, and people feel like shit before they have it, and they're just not functioning, so... Man, do you know what's bullshit? Is, like, how much of a joke it is, but in how... Like, when I was quitting nicotine, I fucking struggled, like, quite a lot. Like, it was mm. a, a solid few days where I was going through withdrawals and feeling really miserable. And, like, the brain fog, bro. Like, I couldn't even think. Honestly, fucking it was hard. just... Yeah, man. It was just this heavy, dense, opaque fog over my thoughts, you know. And trying to, mm. like, wade through them was just such a nightmare. And, and you're just angry and, and, like, hungry for nicotine all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but... I legit get the same thing with coffee. Like, it's probably more on a similar par of addiction, I feel. Yeah. Um, no, me too, dude. Um, yeah. I once tried to go for, like, a span of time without drinking coffee, and it's it's a fucking absolutely pathetic, man. Like, I, I got to, like, 1 p.m. on the first day of trying to not <laughs> drink caffeine, and then I, like, had a headache and was just, like, treating people like shit and was, like fuck this like it's not worth it i just yeah. will have coffee instead yeah i like a, a joke like yeah. i have no willpower <laughs> so true, it just goes to show dude like i'm a drug addict but um yeah man i kind of feel like one this weekend i had only one cup of coffee um and Ooh. i normally i don't know how much i normally i normally just make a big fuck off like filter pot mm. and just sit there and just pour it like all day down my disgusting attic throat <laughs> absolute demon <laughs> yeah and i was like so fucking shitty on saturday man like i was just like bitter and angry and like i had like a headache and you know i felt sick all day it was Ooh. horrible and it spilled yeah. over into sunday and i was just like Ugh. 
So that's rough yeah, as guts. That. Yeah, well, that. that's, that's what being an addict is, man. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, don't feel good until I have my Monday fucking coffee. It's like, uh, yes. Yeah. And isn't it addict. something that like Francisca, I feel, has said to me a few times in the past? Is that it's crazy that there is like a whole like niche market around the normalization of caffeine addiction, like yeah. novelty t-shirts and cups and things that have little like quirky messages like you said like don't talk to me until i've had my coffee yeah. and it's like hold up like marijuana is illegal but we're like selling a range of t-shirts like celebrating the fact that we're all addicted to coffee oh yeah and, 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 and it's worst fucking culture. weird like i it, hate most of marijuana culture but caffeine addiction culture is fucking as bad as like i agree culture you know there's like <laughs> You know, the worst one is there's this cup you can get and it's like, um, you know, don't talk to like, like, it's got like three bars on it indicating like the coffee levels. And it's like, you know, don't speak. Um, not yet. Now you may speak like at the fucking end of it. And it's like, oh, it's that's gross, so fucked. <laughs> I know. And like people buy it, you know, and just must walk around with that shit. Yeah. Disgusting. They're like another level of like coffee and I'm doing air quotes, culture that really like riles me up is just like the kind of systematic abuse of people in third world countries who are producing (laughs) this. And like, we're all just making these dumb t-shirts and like pandering to our drug addiction on the back of their poverty and like suffering. Yeah. Um, Just, you know, paying them like a dollar per 100 kilos of coffee beans or some shit. And it's like- yeah. Uh, anyway, that's just a whole other can of worms. Well, it's probably so, on par. Like, it's not as bad as cocaine, but, like, I bet it's not. I bet there's more different. similarities than, than we'd like to think. You know? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the market's really similar. Yeah. Um, the economics behind it. Um, yeah, well, look that's... at big Starbucks. Look at big fucking... That's basically, like, Castro. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wait, I Castro? Think you mean Pablo Escobar? Pablo Escobar. <laughs> not Fidel yeah. Castro. Oh, not Castro. Um, Sorry, I was reading some, like, shit that... Uh, was, yeah, someone was talking about cash or I think it was like a Trump tweet or some shit. Um, yeah. I mean, anyway, that's an that aside. I'm not going to talk about that. But <laughs> Trump tweets um, offers a good point for us to transition onto. So in the last episode, we talked about um, Trump's obviously diagnosis with COVID. He was in hospital receiving treatment from uh, Regeneron, who have developed this experimental oh, antibody yeah. cocktail. <laughs> So I made you just to <laughs> well just to quickly recap I sort of made the prediction well I think we both made the prediction but um that Trump was going to take some sort of treatment and then he was going to publicly declare his rapid recovery um in order to just like pump the stock price of whatever drug he took or come out with yeah. some sort of vaccine so I bought some Regeneron stocks and then I'm like in this studio session on uh, Wednesday and you sent me a message and it was like a link to Trump's Twitter with the message like, dude, you fucking called it. Your stocks are going to be printing money or some shit like that. And I was just like, oh my fucking God, like I'm in front of this other person and I read it and I was just like, it's like not socially appropriate for me to like watch this video right now, but this seems exciting. (laughs) And um, then I'm like reply to you i'm like what what the fuck like 
did he like what, what happened he's like dude he literally called it like a miracle cure and said it's gonna be like free to the public and shit so like yeah, yeah i watched this video and so, so just to describe what this video is for the audience like i think it was five days after being admitted to hospital trump is like out giving a public address on the white house lawn um and seeming very I mean, perky yeah very cheery yeah, really perky i mean yeah, like yeah. happy he's guy. probably just pumped full of drugs but seeming <laughs> like pretty healthy yeah. and it was fucking as someone who like has bought these stocks yeah albeit a small amount but like it couldn't have been more perfect he's just like this is, it's a miracle cure I took it and I felt great. They call it a therapeutic treatment, but I call it a cure. And, and we're gonna we're gonna have it for free in the hospitals. The military, the military, they're they're great with logistics. They can move hundreds of thousands of troops in a day, and they're doing this. They're sending hundreds of thousands of treatments to the hospitals. If you're a senior and you're not feeling well, you're gonna get this. We're gonna make sure that everyone can have Regeneron. And yeah. it's just like, what the motherfucking shit? I'm listening to this thing like anyway, so like obviously it's just a funny story man so far there hasn't been like that much movement on the price but um uh, it's like climbed a little bit um yeah but yeah. Yeah, super weird super oh, weird. oh dude yeah the the 4d chess master uh there, there's always enough peripheral evidence to suggest that he's five or six steps ahead i'm not saying he yes. is but it's just so fucking you can always funny. make the case yeah yeah th there's um, always the case there that there's this like insane yeah anyway the whole regenerative so, thing is fucking hilarious yeah it's also like worth noting that he has like been a member of the same golf club as the ceo of regeneron for like a long time and they like know each other and stuff oh really so, oh yeah so i guess like you can make the case that there's like potential corruption happening but oh obviously like, whatever. I'm sure <laughs> i mean yeah. where isn't there corruption there's happening? been a few like hot mic moments where you see him um with the cameras off and there's one uh somebody said to me and he was like around a bunch of firefighters or something mm. and he's just like signing something to them i can't remember what exists i think it might just be like autographs and every yeah. time he signs them he's just like go home sell us on ebay ten thousand dollars ten thousand dollars tonight trump name you'll be fine hey you ten thousand dollars here you go sell it on ebay tonight and i'm just thinking that's so funny you just know that he was at the regeneron fucking you know with regeneron ceo like yeah don't worry about it i'm gonna pump that like monday morning i'll let everybody know we'll give it to everyone for free he's just that's who he is he's donnie yeah. pump you know donnie pump <laughs> <laughs> Um, that sounds like a fucking rapper name. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, he is a rapper, right? Like he's basically. Just, he's, yeah. yeah, he's got everything except the fucking, uh, you know, except the beats and the tracks. But, yeah. Man, the guy. Yeah. The um, Trump brand is exactly the same like marketing formula as a rapper. Yeah. 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 Um, fucking hundred percent, without a doubt. Yeah. So in the last episode, you were like. Did we do like a weekly like pump and dump segment <laughs> oh we yeah didn't like reach a conclusion or anything but do you have any um any reckless 
stock suggestions? Oh, dude, I definitely do. Um, apparently, I have to be careful with this. I got told off yeah, you do. Uh, for shilling stocks. Not shilling them, but like suggesting some good buys on a Discord that I'm in, um, which I thought was pretty funny. So, mm. you know, <laughs> just like a bunch of people reached out and they're like, hey, you can't actually do that unless you have an AFA in New Zealand. Me, me, yeah. Me. And I just thought, go it's kind yourself. of These are good It's kind of fucked that, but... like... I mean, I understand why the laws exist and it's so that like predatory sh predatory sharks can't take advantage of desperate people. But yep. it's it, um, the other side of the coin is that it's pretty shitty that like your government has to treat every person like a child who can't just like um, mm. make their own mind up about advice. But yeah. anyway. Yeah, totally. Well, before I dive into this week's pump and dump, um, our new classic segment, it's definitely going to be a big hitter. Uh, how much happier do you feel just being involved financially in, in like the news? Cause the news sucks. If you know, I don't know why people even follow the news. If you don't have stocks, like what the fuck is the point? <laughs> you don't get anything that's ex out of it. That's exactly what you're supposed to be saying. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I guess it, <laughs> I was actually thinking this I can't remember who I was talking to and I didn't end up sending this message because like I didn't want to come across as a cunt but I was just like yeah like it's a hell of a lot easier to not hate Donald Trump when like he's batting for your team sort of yeah. thing yeah man. Like, yeah suddenly like uh, there's a possibility that my vested interests are benefiting from Trump being a piece of shit yeah and I'm like, oh, this isn't so bad. Yeah, um, man, it makes everything better, eh? You can be yeah. neutral because all of a sudden all you care about is your own, like, welfare. Yeah, yeah. it's a bit of, like, a grey moral soup that I'm not sure how I feel about, but I'm sure, like, if Regeneron stocks were to double over a week, I wouldn't give a fuck. So, like, You're going to go out that... there and with Donnie Pump flags, fucking... That's the measure of the man, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> three weeks time i don't actually think trump's that bad he's pretty good bro <laughs> yeah well i mean i said um, in our debate recap that like i would prefer him to win over biden so like it's you know an open yeah. secret now i guess <laughs> yeah um but anyway sorry we're getting off track so you were going to preface your pump and dump oh uh, my pump and dump recommendation. um yeah okay so i've been throwing a lot of money at like these big murky funds uh run by reasonably big investing companies um but they're really dangerous i wouldn't really i would never suggest anyone buys them and that's not me trying to like get around the whole afa fucking you can't yeah. get financial advice i legit don't think anyone should buy them because they're stressful to hold and you can see the value of your investment go down like 20 percent in one week which is pretty stressful especially you know if you have like if you have any reasonable amount of your savings locked up on this stuff um mm, and as a degenerate gambler cool. i always do uh yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> um then it sucks yeah seeing it like fall like 20 percent, mm. and it's like oh well there goes my money what are these funds oh. made of uh diff just like different assets like that's right. not really a useful thing to say um just like basically tons of tech stocks uh normally and they do mm. this so I buy into leverage funds. Uh, I have like normal investments that do nothing and they're boring. Um, and I have like leverage shit that does. Yeah, like swings for yeah. home runs kind of thing. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like it either goes way the fuck up or way the fuck down. Um, 
you know, and I just park it in there. So one of them, TQQQQ or something like that, is all tech stocks, essentially. It's all like Facebook, mm. Google, um, you know, it tracks uh, like the top 100 companies in the States or something with a big weighting on tech. And then there's another one that's like tracks all the banking sector. But the banking sector has been fucked for like um, ages, you know, like, you know, everybody thinks like, oh, you know, the economy's doing so well. It's actually only tech that's doing well. Like the rest of the economy is right. doing fucking terribly, man. Like in the mm. stock market as well. Um, banking has like only recovered about 20 or 30 percent of um, its fall since Corona hit. Yeah, right. That's really Which interesting. Is fucked. So it's like 70 percent down since the peak. You know, mm. you think about that and it's like, oh, fuck. I guess things are like doing much worse than we think it is. It's just tech is so fucking dramatic in how much it's like taken over all of a sudden mm. um, that it's kind of like shadowing the fact that everything else is doing really, really poorly. So on the topic of banks performing poorly, um, the 2021 slash, sorry, 2020 slash 2021 budget was announced by the federal government in Australia on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, we're recording this on a Monday, so that news is nearly a week old. Over a week old by the time this pod comes out. But anyway, um, uh, one of the policies included in the budget is like the cutting back of, quote, red tape, end quote, <laughs> um, yeah. which is like slowing down um, people's access to credit in Australia, which is pretty hilarious. So like as a way to stimulate the economy, they're basically like making it easier for banks to give out really dangerous loans um yeah so yeah. you know take that with a grain of salt but that seems to me like a pretty fucked idea <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah, yeah anyway it's not i mean yeah that's kind of like how 2008 came around it but um mm. also what sort of world do we want to live in then because I, I i don't even know you know like sometimes i think man maybe maybe we should just have i actually asked this there's a ask me anything for one of our political parties um, and I asked them like, oh, what do you think about setting up like a charter city in New Zealand, uh, where we can just have like a fucking like, completely open economy. Yeah. Just anything goes like anything fucking goes, you know? And we just yeah. like, yeah, we'll just get like Waiheke or something or, you know, mm. like, I don't know, one of the fucking hundred islands that we do absolutely nothing with. Um, and they yeah. just kind of sit there like, you know, oh, that'd be dope. sitting around. Yeah. And we just turn it into like a fucked up like dystopian uh yeah not, just it's like not a even pirate dystopian. outpost yeah man yeah and it's, it's just like yeah you know you can make a fortune there or you can lose everything and just be like fucked like i want that option you know did they so, respond yeah yeah they did let's say we're looking which into party it. did uh, you ask this of uh the opportunities party in new zealand they're kind of like they're a new one i don't yeah clearly really know what they stand for um i think mm. that they're sort of like you know, oh, sensible policy party, you know, legal weed and uh, taxes on capital gains, blah, blah, blah. Right. Sensible. Yeah. yeah. It was started by a investment banker called Gareth Morgan, who okay. rose to fame um, in the public eye for saying that he wanted the right to kill cats. Um, oh, get fucked. <laughs> he's the father. Um, his seed <laughs> was uh, the guy that made Trade Me. Ah, Sam Morgan. Okay. So yeah. right. Although yeah, I guess yeah. a lot of Australian listeners won't know what trade me is. It's like trade me is like the New Zealand tree. gum tree. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So, you know, cool. They're fucking <clears throat> wealthy as shit. They were tons and tons of money. And they started yeah. a political party, because I guess that's what you do when you have tons of money. Yeah. But uh, Charter Cities maybe not entirely set in stone yet. Well, I think it's never going to happen, but <laughs> in New Zealand. <laughs> well, I mean, look at Hong Kong happened. So Well, you know. yeah, but what I'm saying is like the major parties will not entertain that idea. Um, yeah. It's too, too risky. Well, not even risky, just too interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, oh. the majority of normies in the suburbs would hate it. I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. My yeah. son went there and blew his savings. <laughs> oh, well, how's he meant to know what to do? <laughs> Isn't that funny, the idea that you could go somewhere and just fucking walk out like a millionaire or walk out <laughs> broke and fucking like destitute and yeah i just i mean <laughs> yeah it is somewhat glorious and tragic it's like mm. the ultimate flip side but like that's kind of great like you say yeah um the fact that any so you know it's on the surface it's one of those things where it's like yeah no one should be able to have the banks prey on them easier um that sounds horrible but when you dive into it a little bit, man, like some of that stuff is kind of good. There's in the States, they've had like a long history of people being able to basically take out like massive fucking loans with almost nothing. Um, yeah. You know, like to buy a house or some shit. Uh, and the, the fucked up thing there is you can declare bankruptcy and it doesn't really come back to bite you in the ass. Like nothing really happens. You just kind of like, oh, sorry, I'm bankrupt you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I guess I'll move on with my life and do something else. Whereas here, it's like it follows you around for fucking ages. Um, as so, it should. As it should, yeah. It definitely should. Uh, it, yeah. the, the, the tone in my voice is still like, it would be kind of fun to have the option to just fucking put everything down on red and, you know, rise to the glory or to, you know, fail in the gladiator ring and... Mm. <laughs> um so yeah. on the topic of putting everything on red uh yesterday i watched uh an episode of a net netflix docuseries called dirty money are you familiar yep. with it no so and th this episode was called the confidence man and i'll give you three guesses uh as to who it was about oh is it john McAfee? no Oh, okay. It, uh, fuck, well, that was my only guess. The Confidence Man. Oh, is it Jordan Belfort? No. Oh, running out of... Uh... It's it's like way too obvious. Oh, is it Trump? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. So this episode really fired up my Damon-esque conspiratorial suspicions of Netflix. Oh, yes. Okay. And yeah. It was just like an absolute hit piece on on trump like yeah. the entire thing was just like completely uh skewed and just peddling one agenda yeah. um and it was just like a history of uh suspicion towards trump's business activities and all that shit but it's pretty hilarious because they like talk about how obviously he like borrowed money from his dad and then basically his dad's success was what enabled him to make money in the first place in new york and he was kind of just like having an easy go of things and then yeah. got to the point where according to trump and the media whether or not it was the truth who knows um banks were just like throwing money at him just like begging him to borrow money from them and he just had <laughs> access to all this easy credit and this was in like the 80s um so yeah he um was like fuck it i'm gonna like buy a bunch of casinos in new jersey um which is yeah. funny because like he's gambling 
buy buying casino so it's like mega gambling um oh yeah, <laughs> like, 100%. yeah, yeah. hey that's what a lot of this shit is man like you know investing is largely gambling life's gambling yeah. but anyway that's yeah it is Fair gambling yeah. um, i mean yeah yeah and then he like built the largest casino in the world ever it was like the world's first billion dollar casino called the taj mahal like of course i was like how tacky could something Is be it? that's fucking okay yeah and um then just like mismanaged the shit out of it and had just like a disgusting amount of debt i can't remember the in figure now but i think he was having to pay like three million dollars a day interest on his debts um, <laughs> fucking nuts. it got to the Holy point where like shit. his dad would just like came into the casino and just bought three million dollars of chips and left so just to like drop money into the business just yeah to like tie it over for another day or whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah and um so yeah like in the end these bunch of businesses in in um atlantic city is new jersey right i'm not conflating those two i'll bring that up i'm pretty sure it is um yeah it is new jersey so these uh casinos folded and all of his businesses in jersey went bankrupt uh and he obviously just owed an insane amount of money to the banks but they just put him on like this drip feed payment because like the brand of trump was worth more than like suing him or whatever um so they were like we're better to just like treat him well because his brand is so strong that he'll just like keep making money in the future and like he's a lifeline for the banks which is pretty intense yeah <laughs> um yeah, yeah and then like from that point onwards he pivoted from like real business in terms of carrying out like tangible development projects himself to just like licensing his name to shit so just like pivoted to relying solely on his brand and his name so like trump stakes trump x y and z like yeah trump vodka right for a little while (laughs) probably dude yeah but anyway like this long story short this um episode just attempted to like drag his name through as much dirt and shit as possible without actually like pinning anything tangibly illegal to him and it was meant to be this big like gotcha sort of yeah revelation of a doco and it's kind of just like yeah like trump's a dick and he does like dumb business stuff and is a Have shark you seen but the like apprentice? <laughs> yeah and it's like, <laughs> like but fucking, fucking who yeah. isn't you know and it's like yeah. the only difference is now he's the president and you're upset about it like yeah. if you looked at any massive real estate developer and like in an alternative universe where they became president instead of him like they're pieces of shit too like, of course yeah. you can make a documentary about the loans they defaulted on and the people they fucked over on the, on their way to wealth. Yeah. Um, but it just drove me so crazy seeing it because it was, like, just the furthest thing from from objective. And, yeah. like, the, the fact of the matter is the people who, like, directed or wrote or produced that doco are as predatory as Trump. Oh, man. Like, they're fucking <laughs> absolute yeah. hypocrites, man. Yeah, they're just, yeah. like, preying on the needs of the masses to like dogpile someone and hate them yeah um yeah and it's like the person like... that wrote white fragility and the one that fucking any fuckwit who's like decided to write a book about trump's america you know and <laughs> yeah, like 100%. Stephen colbert and all of those fucking dudes who just were like their entire business platform and everything is making money from hating on trump and satisfying people's yeah. little like just cashing in on outrage yeah Yeah, man yeah so yeah it's fucking um, so that's dirty and pathetic big hiller yeah yeah. it's really interesting (laughs) 
Um, so like obviously I was just thinking of you the whole way through, and I was like, uh, cool. Jesus yeah. Christ, um, this um, is like another cherry on top of Damon's conspiracy someday. Um, man, I fucking swear to God, like the more you look into Netflix, the more you start to realize just how murky a lot of this shit is, and mm. I kind of feel like they're almost running the um, running as like a weird public relations company now. And I think mm. they're almost like public relations for hire. Uh, and, you know, I obviously there's like shreds of evidence. And even I'm not fully convinced of this conspiracy theory, but there's just enough there that I'm kind of like, well, what the fuck? Like, it seems with the uh, multi-year deal with Obama, which is like, you know, like how many fucking movies are you going to make? Is he going to make? About what? <laughs> like, oh, that's a good question. <laughs> remember those eight years? Like... You know, like, is it going to be like a multi-fucking blockbuster hit, like The Lord of the Rings, and like a three-part <laughs> yeah, trilogy? trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, it's just, there's so much murky money getting pushed into it. And they've had uh, three or four different docos that have come out that, are, you know, obviously like The Social Dilemma, The Great Hack, and The Fire Festival one, um, which wasn't political in nature, but also was a total fucking cover-up by Fuck Jerry. Um, which is probably almost deserving of its own episode, uh, in the sense that like fuck Jerry has done so much weird shit and for them to use Netflix as a way to clear, absolve themselves of guilt, um, is pretty, you know, weird and murky. I don't know. There's definitely a vehicle for propaganda, uh, mm. anyway. So, I mean, yeah. as, as is the public relations industry as a whole, um, yeah, but yeah but, I think it's really interesting that you used the term like public relations for hire because like it just goes to show that like media struggles to stand on its own too at the moment and needs mm. to sort of like put its tentacles into other f sort of markets to uh, be financially feasible. Well, Netflix is like hemorrhage cash for a long time. They need to make money. You know, they need mm. to make a lot of fucking money as well. And they have a huge amount of sway. Um, because of their autoplay feature that basically, you know, anyone who shows up and can't be fucked making a decision on what they want to veg out to, which is like every single person who's turning on Netflix for the evening, yeah. mainly, you know, uh, can just sit and watch whatever bullshit. And like the docos aren't amazingly done, but they're done well enough to sway public opinion. Mm, um, exactly. You know, the whole, oh man, they're fucking, also, yeah. Also worth pointing out, like the subscription just increased as well by a dollar a month. Oh yeah. I'm not surprised. Mm. They, they need money. You know, they're yeah. like not fucking doing very well financially. Um, so, you know, this week's stock tip, don't buy Netflix or do buy Netflix. Cause I can't <laughs> there tell we you what go. to do with your money. We got uh, there in the yeah, end in a yeah. <laughs> super roundabout way, but we did it. Uh, also. Yeah. We're not financial advisors, and this is not financial advice. We said it black and white. There you go. Yeah. Don't come crying to us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're going to have to really engineer, like, this week's uh, um, pump and dump, because, like, I like that as a segment. I think it's pretty funny, you know? Yeah, it is, right? Yeah. Um, and I also, I like the idea of delivering it in a way that is so ambiguous that no one will ever know if we mean what we're saying or not. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it. i mean that's how everyone else operates i'm not even convinced that trump had coronavirus i don't i i'm like uh, i mean i how don't can know he if he did man he only got it for five days i mean unless regeneron really is as good as it you know which i don't think it would be maybe it is i mean it's probably that good for some people yeah true um yeah. i mean i also 
cannot say anything bad about Regeneron now because I'm hurting <laughs> my own interests. So, I mean, you know, Regeneron, yeah. from my perspective, is a miracle drug, just so <laughs> yeah. you guys know. Yeah, um, there we have I, it. I could, couldn't believe what it what it did for Trump, and um, I am looking forward to taking some myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, in all seriousness, that. though, I would probably be pretty keen to, like, have some sort of antibody cocktail just, like, shot into my veins just for the fuck of it. Like, it would probably feel good. Yeah, man. Yeah. Hey, drugs I'd, do feel good. They're really yeah. good. And I imagine yeah. that would be good. I mean, it looks mm. good. I want some after that fucking lawn address. That was really impressive. <laughs> you know, I want to feel that good. Oh, yeah. I don't feel um, that good. I think I'm about to feel that good later today. I'm going to, because I'm going to UQ to meet Michael Hudson. Mm. And um, it's a nice day out, but it's not too hot. And UQ is a really beautiful place. So I am going to, after we finish recording this pod, I'm going to edit it. And then I'm going to go and get another coffee. Yeah. And I'm going to go out to UQ and just like walk around for a little bit. I think good. that's going to be nice. Not Regeneron um, nice, but nice enough. <laughs> yeah, good, good, man. I, I think I might have had like a perfect day on the Sunday um, after that's good. my caffeine bullshit had worn off. And it kind of made me realize that I'm slowly fading into like senality. Senality? Is that the right word? Like being senile? Senility. Senility. And mm. boomerdom. And like just peak averageness yeah, in terms of great. Like what I want out of life you know because I woke up and like I went out for a surf and then I came back and I just slept and you know and then I like picked up a book and it was a book on like real estate investing and I'm not like I'm just kind of I just curious. threw it up in my mouth a little bit oh dude I'm not actually <laughs> even interested in it I was just fucking like picked it up started mm. reading it and I was like ah oh, enjoyable read uh and then went out for like another surf and came back and just sat there thinking like you know this might be all there is to life and that is so fucking okay with me like that that it, my days might not get better than that that might be it that might yeah. be like peak you know like because i you run through the different scenarios of what might happen to you on any particular given day and there's not much that will leave you like euphoric and happy other than kind of like spending your day doing your like passion hobby or whatever. That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, of you course. need to get into that sort of like uh, flow state, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 But, well, I mean, it's look just at us engaging in psychology conjecture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. Um, I feel but um, that's I, what we do. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. And like, that's like, what do you want out of life other than that? You know, the only thing that would have made it better is coming home and having a beer and a barbecue, you know, with some Yes. Yeah, well, and like, why, is there a reason you didn't have a beer and a barbecue? Uh, I was have. tired, so I just went to sleep. Yeah, but like, right. you know, I fucking would have if, you know, that was an option, you know, if that, mm. if that was something that I could have done. Um, but I don't, yeah, f f fuck everything. When you can experience something like that, nothing else really matters anymore. It's just kind of like. It's perfection. Yeah. Anyway. That's it, dude. Um, I completely agree with you, actually. I think sometimes less is more. Mm. Um, so we are stoked to have delivered you guys a 39-minute intro. Um, <laughs> I think that might be our record for the longest intro. Um, yeah. And I'm not mad about it. I think it's fucking awesome. I would have enjoyed that well, if I was a listener. Yeah, um, that's good. 
We're going to talk so, about when more is less, now that we've talked about when less is more. We are, yeah. Damon, is... you take it away. Go oh, shit. It. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> I guess there's no point giving an intro to the intro. Um, we're going to talk about McAfee, John McAfee, of antivirus fame. Now, I think a lot of people would be familiar with McAfee's antivirus software. It really sucked and it was really hard to uninstall. A lot of people <laughs> um, said that his antivirus software was in fact a fucking virus, a virus. itself because it was so annoying to use. You know, it'd always like pop up and slow your computer down and just be a fucking absolute nightmare. Um, so the whole thing sounds super uninteresting, but it is, it's probably the most interesting, he's probably the most interesting character that's come out of, uh, I guess tech or, you know, white collar fucking bullshit, um, that I can think of, man. I, I actually don't know. I mean, maybe short of like, no, nah, not even Adam Newman. Adam Newman's a fucking dickhead. Um, I'm not sure if we lost the WeWork episode, but you know, maybe we did, maybe we didn't. Um, mm. anyway, so McAfee was a pioneer of uh, pioneer of antivirus software back in I think it was like the 1990s or something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if I can just chime in, like, please do. He basically I can't remember the name of this particular virus now, but these two brothers in Pakistan created the first ever computer virus out of their like sort of like neighborhood computer shop. And they were like, yeah. let's make this thing and see what it does. Um, and because obviously people were fucking retarded at the time, no one knew anything about what a computer virus would do. And John McAfee just like jumped on the hype train and was like, yo man, this is fucked up. This is really bad. It's gonna like destroy technology as we know it. And just like put the fear of God in everyone about viruses. Um, overestimated the amount of computers that this would infect and that's how he was able to like plug his product. <laughs> yeah, which is epic. I mean, and like back then, I guess technology mm. was sort of like, you know, emerging as everybody having their own personal computer and stuff. And they, the connotation mm. of like a virus is so horrible you know it's like it affects your computer you know um also probably worth noting that at (laughs) like this point in time um like technological and advances particularly in like it were basically driving economic growth um from the 90s through to like the early 2000s so yeah a lot of people yeah a lot of people associated like the financial uh robustness of society with like technological kind of uh stability i suppose Mm. and so this virus wasn't a threat just to like their computers but to like society's kind of uh upward trajectory as a whole yeah interesting that we kind of still do that in a way um Mm, we do it's an aside uh it's a separate episode um yeah so during this time like I think McAfee was like running the company. I mean, it was named after him. He was running the company. He was the CEO. Um, and he was like brutally addicted to Coke and mm-hmm. whiskey and was just like binge drinking himself uh, to fucking death and being just a fucking loose unit, um, you know, at the helm of this like dramatically successful tech company. I think they were making like $10 million a year is what he was quoted as saying. Um, and... They Hang on, went, 10 million or 10 billion? Million, million. Right, um, okay. It was like four guys running it, so that's right, pretty okay. good. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Or maybe it was more. May, you know, it might have been more. Basically, a bunch of venture capitalists came along, though, and invested huge amounts of money into the company, uh, which caused them to be like, okay, fuck, now we have to grow. You know, we have to get bigger to justify the investment, uh, which ultimately, I think, ended up being the downfall. Now, I'm a little murky on the details here, but as far as I'm aware, McAfee, and this is like where his story starts to get fucking murky. And this is pretty early on in the story. So, you know, it's it's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But the story goes, as far as I'm aware, he was a total alcoholic. Um, he wanted to kill himself. And, you know, he was really suicidal and just like getting absolutely fucking blasted every day and running this company very successfully, which is really cool that you can do that. Um, oh, it's because, um, a story unto itself. Like, it's yeah, well, big shout outs for that. Man, I want a crazy boss. Eh? Like, you know, hearing that bosses can be like that is is really uplifting. So, as far as I'm aware, and like this is hazy, and someone can fact check this or whatever. Jump in if you know. But I know that he like went to rehab. He left McAfee uh, antivirus software. He was fucking loaded, like filthy, bloody rich. And then disappeared off basically like the face of the earth. Um, my recollection of where he turned up next was in a blue light thread. So blue light is this online form for drug use, uh, you know, and someone who isn't me uh, was browsing it and interested <laughs> in <laughs> and, uh, you know, various online chemicals or whatever. And there's this guy that showed up. Um, I actually have the thread open, and we'll link it because it's it's 41 pages, and it's really worth reading. Uh, That's so great! I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, man. So this guy starts posting called Stuff Monger, um, and starts going on about he's a huge fan of MDPV. And if you don't know about MDPV, it's like bath salts essentially. It's this uh, cathinone um, substance that's like I don't know. I don't know how how many wastrels listen to this podcast (laughs) (laughs) i think the majority of the people who listen to this podcast are probably wastrels yeah like maybe not wastrels but i think are at least pretty interested in substances so um uh if you've had like a bad batch of mdma or if you've done like bzp or you know you've done like any sort of murky pill or anything like that and you're like oh that didn't feel right it might have been bath salts um so cathinones are like known for being really fucking gnarly stims um that you know i think i think they're like kind of psychedelic i don't i don't think i've ever done them but um they basically could fuck you up pretty good uh you know and they're everyone i'm sure has heard the craze around basalts or seen the video of the guy eating someone else and he was like fucked up on basalts yeah that dude in miami yeah man yeah the zombie drug they're calling it um so this guy anyway so Stuff Monger shows up December 7th, 2010. I don't know what the fuck happened to McAfee between then. All I know is that he kind of like was running Norton antivirus, uh, sorry, uh, McAfee antivirus, made tons of money, uh, disappeared. Stuff Monger starts posting about, yeah, um, here's the opening thing. I'm a huge fan of MDPV, not the white hydrochloride. It's inconceivable that anyone on the planet would be willing to put that into their bodies, which it would because it's fucked. I'm talking the freebase form. I think many of you don't bother to freebase it yourself uh, or have at least tasted the freebase version when it was widely available, known as TAN MDPV. I think it's the finest drug ever conceived, not just for the indescribable hypersexuality, 
but also for the smooth euphoria and mild come down. So he's essentially describing like the perfect drug. Like you take it, mm. you know, you feel fucking amazing. There's no come down. There's no bad sides. And he starts talking about how can I easily separate the oil from the participate using mechanical means. It's a nightmare of a process. So he starts going into detail about like really explicit detail as the thread goes on about um, how to make this uh, chemically. And wow. the fucking crazy thing, man, is there are so many photos and it's all archives. So you can check it out. And he basically has a whole lab set up where he's separating different chemicals and everything like that and going into detail about it and trying to convince mm. people on this blue light form uh, to make this version of MDPV and take it. Um, <laughs> so it goes on for pages and pages and pages and pages where he's talking about like the process of breaking of making mdpv um and showing people his like lab setup and everything uh and i'm like jumping around as i'm fucking chatting about this but you know showing people how you might be able to create this mythical substance and everyone's sort of wondering like who the fuck is this, is this motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the crazy thing is, man, um, a lot of people were trying to fucking do it. We're trying to make this fucking weird version of bath salts uh, to take, as you would if you're on like blue light or you know, yeah, if course. you're one of those people that like endlessly browses earwood looking for you know the weirdest fucking chemical you can find. Um, like, who does that? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not me at the age of sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> no way i'm not gonna take morning glory seeds that are available at the garden store for three dollars <laughs> yeah that's stupid <laughs> you have to be a fuck with so, that yeah no that um, was a that was a wave in christchurch <laughs> <laughs> um so it's really interesting that you talk about this thread because yeah. i read like the this same sort of narrative but from like a different angle right mm -hmm. so um i was reading this piece on wired that we'll link in the show notes that i found really fucking interesting um about mcafee's like escape from the united states to like go and live in the jungle in belize um and in this article they talk about how he uh met this female phd candidate i think or yeah. maybe she was a PhD who was working at a university um, in the northeastern United States, I think, you know, in like New England. Um, and she believed that she was getting close to using um, some sort of plant process to develop a new um, category of antibiotic or drugs that would create a new form of medicine. And she met John McAfee and he became so enamored by like this prospect that he offered her a job and like took her to Belize and set up this lab in the jungle where she was working on these experimental treatments. So fucking legend. Eh? And oh, so God. the, the yeah. photos that he was posting in this thread would have been photos from his lab. Mm. Um, so they talk about him pitching this drug on to, online to people in this article. And the explanation that he offers is that he was trying to um, trick narco traffickers into taking this really dumb drug because he was like fighting a drug war against like the organized crime syndicates in Belize. Yeah. Um, there's, there's enough evidence whole, either way. <laughs> there's this whole other fucking 
tale, dude, about him like he goes like Clint Eastwood on these dudes living in the the. So he has like this compound in the jungle, right? Where he <laughs> like even start it. Uh, it's yeah. fucking nuts, dude. Like, yeah. As is so often the case, like what we discuss here won't do the article justice. But yeah, just to like try, I'm gonna try and just punch to the point. You know, he's living in this compound in the jungle. He has this like female scientist apparently working on experimental botanical drugs in his lab. Um, and he has like 10 dogs that just like roam his property, which is just like fenced, it has a gate. He has permanent security set up there and like 30 structures. So like enough homes for like multiple people to just live there permanently. Yeah. But they're described as bungalows, whatever that means. Um, so the closest town to where his compound was um was this sort of like horrible like ramshackle wild west central american shithole where like 10 percent of the homes didn't have electricity there were like yeah. like rampant prostitution yeah just like a lot of poverty and stuff and he whether through good intentions or just pure delusion decided that he was going to like personally direct a drug war in the area because like he wanted to like improve the lives of people in this village. So he started buying weapons and equipment for uh, the local police there. And he started just telling the governor of this area, like, hey, I'm like giving you all of these like assault rifles, body armor, riot gear, all of this mm -hmm. kind of shit. And just like funding a militia and just like put himself in this position that nobody asked him to do. <laughs> where he was like directing this like, war against organized crime mm. in the area um and he alleged that people had told him that this town was like one of the number one narco trafficking like hot spots in central america yeah and that like it was a a funnel for like well what do you call it a bottleneck for a lot of the drugs coming from south america into mexico and then therefore onto the united states yeah um so the i'm gonna mispronounce this but i guess the belizean or Balazayan, maybe it's pronounced, Belizean yeah, government, so. um, uh, they caught word of this lab in the jungle and the fact that he was, like, arming dozens of dudes with, like, heavy weapons <laughs> and equipment <laughs> and that there was, like, permanent security there and stuff. And they were like, this guy's fucking producing drugs, man. Like, so they, like, the There's Belizean There's a lot of evidence online that he was as well. Yeah, the yeah. Belizean intelligence um, uh, service or whatever you want to call it, like raided his property and then arrested him and his security guards and um so maybe i'll let you take yeah. over from here because this is the point where Ooh. he might become involved in some sort of uh, critical violence yeah no and that that's true um again leading up to this the wired article is really good uh but also check out the blue light thing because it's so fucking bizarre the shit that he was writing so um there's a lot of weird allegations around mcafee's sexuality in, in a way that he had like a bunch of really fucked up fetishes um you know like what oh like he got there's i don't know if it was ever confirmed but apparently he used to get people to like shit in his mouth and oh. that's like shit like that man like real fucking weird stuff that's um, like beyond 
your private life and like a public health issue <laughs> yeah man yeah no 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 it's really <laughs> fucked there's a bunch of other things you can read online i can't remember mm. if they're confirmed or not yeah, uh right. but there's like enough people sort of out there that maybe so he talks a lot about his process of creating 10 mdpv which is obviously like all of his posting online was going on while he was doing this shit, while he was arming people and talking about like narco traffickers and shit. So, I mean, and he revealed his identity in the end as well on the blue light form. He's like, oh, by the way, my name is John and I fucking live in Belize. Um, you know, here's my lab <laughs> and here's the drug I've been taking. So he, here we go. In all honesty, a first time user or a user on a large dose uh, when presented with food will simply figure out a way to include it in the ongoing sex play they have with their partner if alone they will figure out a way to fuck it or shove it up their rectum this is not a joke everything on the tan becomes a sex partner or a sex aid if only visually i will not in any more let anyone on tan be alone with my dogs i have 14 dogs twice in the past year tan users one man and one woman both attempted major doses to be fair attempted to have sex with one of my dogs one user again after a large dose was arrested in a local village here for publicly molesting strangers fortunately in my country such a crime is punishable by a small fine so perhaps the depression that comes with it is an appetite disinterest. Drink water, though. Um, tan is way worse than MDMA in high doses, blah, blah, blah. But he goes on a lot to mention, like, the degenerate sexual behavior as well as, like, very detailed descriptions of, um, you know, degenerate behavior within Belize. So there's this crossover, man, of him talking about, you know, making this drug and acting like a complete fucking shithead and then people oh. coming out and being like, oh, yeah, John had, like, like 20 fucking teenage girls around him at all times yeah uh you know um, and who tried to kill him multiple times as well which is pretty <clears> fucked up um but that's yeah. again part of it you know yeah so yeah so he's <laughs> where are we so so at the moment he's in his compound he's suspected for drug trafficking um there's like at least 20 or 30 pages i think uh at this point on this blue light thread of him talking about how um, he has this huge drug set up and he's making, you know, bath salts and shit like that. And then my understanding of the story, and you can correct me on this, is that someone kills his dog, um, or some shit like that. Like, mm. I think it was his neighbor killed his dog. Uh, and then... Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, and John McAfee had started talking about strangers around the compound and started seeing stuff. And that he'd yeah. been awake for several days. And so, like, you know, this is again, like, I don't... He, he says that he, uh, the story goes that he was sober and he has never touched anything since his, like, cocaine days back in mm. fucking the States after he, like, left McAfee. And then he shows up in Belize and starts, you know, seeing people in the night. And, like, maybe there were, you know, maybe there weren't. You never know. You don't exactly. fucking know. But his neighbor shows up dead is one of the fucking big things that finds out uh, that happens next. So and now he's accused of murder by the Belize police um, and essentially has to like go on the run because they're trying to, you know, crack down on him as this drug dealing eccentric millionaire, um, you know, trying to fucking fund militia and everything. So McAfee disappears from Belize and shows up uh, like with a vice article. So vice had gotten wind of the story and basically got in touch with them somehow. Um, and he starts talking to them about how he's running away from the Belize police and they're going to capture him and throw him in jail. Um, and he's got, he's trying to make his way back to America to basically escape, you know, prosecution and, and whatnot. Um, 
but Vice accidentally doxes him. And Did they really? Yeah, man. Yeah, they doxed him. Um, I think it was through a photo or something that he had sent or something like that. They hadn't scrubbed all the like geolocation uh, information. Oh, so the police police ended up finding him and throwing him in fucking jail uh, where he got stuck. Now, my memory, I haven't read the Wired article in a while, so maybe you can fill in on this. But like my understanding is he somehow got out of Belize prison um like he bribed someone or he'd done something and for some reason was able to fucking escape from there or maybe he was caught in colombia or something i can't remember and tracked his way back to the united states uh Mm. i actually yeah i can't remember this this detail but we can um obviously the read uh the listeners can go and check out the article and fill in the blanks yeah 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 so mcafee back in the united states um i think he was like he wasn't broke, but he wasn't that wealthy. He'd spent like a pretty significant chunk of his money. Um, mm. Ended up where he is now, as I know that he's like gotten into the cryptocurrency space uh, and became like a Love massive influencer. <laughs> I know, right? He became like a massive influencer in the crypto space um, and like was shilling cryptocurrencies and doing pump and dumps. Um, and like people would pay him 300 grand to run ads to pump their crypto and be like, yeah, I'm John McAfee and this is definitely the next big thing. Uh, you know, you should buy blah, blah coin. And then he, he married this prostitute that he was, um, enamored with that he's now, I think still married to, uh, and just got done for like tax evasion or some shit. (laughs) Yeah. um... That's, that's such a shit version of the fucking full story because he got poisoned along the way as well. So he like posted this video on Twitter where his face was all puffy. And he was like wheezing and barely able to breathe. It was just like, you know, whoever did this to me, I'm gonna find you. You, they're trying to silence me. Yeah, he also has this like sort of hectic preponderance of like a almost you know paranoid conspiratorial critiques of like U.S. foreign policy um, and like refers to the deep state and stuff on all of these videos that he posts to his Twitter. Um, Yeah. There's like a a series of uh, screenshots that he's posted on Twitter referring to his recent arrest um, for tax evasion, which (laughs) are on October 10th. The first one says, and it seems like these are from prison. yeah. So first one says, I have made friends with a young man from Senegal. He's here for stabbing many people. Not sure whether he's practicing his knife skills or he's simply not fond of people. He charts, he chants Senegalese songs in the yard and I harmonize with Catholic chants. This may be the next big thing in music. The graffiti <laughs> in the style is excellent, all in Spanish. One says, fuck the world. Beneath it, inside a heart, is Marquez and Jose. Next to that is, I will kill Javier when I get out. Please inform Javier. My favorite is a poem beginning with In the mountaintops is peace, but unfortunately not in here. Next one and last one. The shower in my cell is a pipe with a plastic bottle with the bottom cut out attached as the shower head. Works great. I will never again pay money for a shower head. The toilet, however, is not much better than a trench in the woods. But really, how much time do you spend there? <laughs> um, so, yeah, John McAfee ladies and gentlemen such um fucking honestly like i don't care um he's pretty open about the fact that his ex-girlfriends tried to kill him he's even posting about her on his twitter yeah he is i Um, saw that as well yeah he's also um licensed the rights to a documentary on his life 
which has a pretty high score on Rotten Tomatoes, if I remember correctly. Oh, is it already out? That's pretty cool. Mm, um, I think it came out in 2017, maybe, but yeah. I'm happy to be corrected on that. Um, so, yeah, John McAfee, uh, modern-day rogue trailblazer and maniac, as well as potential sexual predator. Um, uh, all of this is really kind of you know awe-inspiring and jaw-dropping um but yeah has like a bit of a tragic twist to it because he was like serially abused by his father i believe like as a child um yeah he started like abusing alcohol from the age of like 15 or whatever to just escape uh his reality yeah and this is probably the culmination of a lifetime of substance abuse and like just slowly but surely uh letting reality slip away from you and just creating this world where nothing is real or stable anymore yeah um, well, man true but he's you could look at him as a cautionary tale but you could also look at it as like what an incredible fucking existence we'd all oh, be so lucky 100%. to live like an eighth of what he's experienced to just have mm. the fucking dramatic rise to success um you know and to be like a, a cokehead while you do it uh you know even that's a lifetime of yeah this is something that i did he's just done so much shit and such a you know and i think he's like 74 or something and he's still fucking mm. going he's got that trunk yeah. energy like to do anything close to what he's done on your own terms is inconceivable to most people mm. most people are too terrified or don't have the the raw talent or brain power or whatever you want to call it um or just the confidence i suppose um yeah so like yeah i agree with you that there are 100 percent like definitely um a lot to admire about him but i think you do have to rather than just like sell this as like a ideologically like or sorry not ideologically but idealist like perfect kind of story like i think it is important to note that he probably does suffer a lot as oh. well to this day you know like yeah. he's probably in a lot of pain um which 100%. is a shame so i hope he is able to you know get to a place where he's comfortable and can be free of trouble for a Whoa. little bit as he gets older I was following him when he was cruising around on a boat with his um, wife and shilling cryptocurrencies. And I, he seemed pretty fucking happy, man. He's just like boosting around. Like he was a, he's a celebrity. I mean, he's definitely a bit of a narcissist. You can kind of tell by the way that he mm. comes across. But uh, again, he's sort of like Hunter S, you know, and I kind of feel there's a lot of similarities between the two. I was thinking that um, as well. Yeah, fuck yeah. And it's like Hunter was just probably like a pretty pained individual. Um, yeah. Also, but... If you're gonna be pained and, and you're gonna like you know uh try and make it then that's a that's a hell of a way to do it you know and it's mm. like it might not be the best way for everyone but fuck i'm so happy that people like this exist because it just laughs in the face of institute especially like hunter is cool but he also existed within like you know like the rolling stone man i don't think many people appreciate how edgy it was like it really was sort of like pushing the envelope before it turned mm. into what it is today yeah absolutely um, i was reading my dad's got a bunch of like old 1970s copies of rolling stone magazine that's so uh, great yeah man i was reading hunter s thompson's like uh eulogy for oscar zeta acosta his lawyer um Whoa. and i couldn't fucking believe that it was printed i used to think like vice was edgy but this shit was incredible incredible it was fucking mind-blowing like the entire That's story so cool. is just so fucking out of it um do you, you know if those up, have been digitized 
Yeah, man. Yeah. You can look it up. It's called the Banshee screams for Buffalo meat. Um, and the whole story is insane how basically, I mean, Oscar Zeta Acosta was kind of like a John McCarthy character of the 1970s mm. in the sense that he was like, you know, a lawyer, uh, within the criminal justice, you know, um, sector or whatever. Mm-hmm. And system. Yeah, within the criminal justice system and was totally on the fringe. Like, you know, it's a reasonably kind of banal, boring, maybe not that boring because it's, you know, criminal justice. But again, it sort of like doesn't give much leeway for these weird characters to exist. But, Mm -hmm. you know, Oscar Zeta Acosta was another one where he was like, you know, on fucking speed and like crazed and getting people off and not only working within the institution of law but massively succeeding and getting lots Mm. of people off and like being a very successful lawyer um and totally laughing in the face of like the bound rules like there's a story about how he went to this judge's house that had given his client like an unfair verdict or whatever and set his fucking lawn on fire and stood outside screaming sermons at him um from like the book of revelations you know, and they were fucking powerful sermons, man. And apparently he was absolutely mental. And the judge was looking out the window, seeing like, you know, this huge uh, Mexican fucking dude with a shirt off. And it was obviously Oscar Zeta Acosta. Um, and he was just, you know, bellowing at him like angry, violent Book of Revelation sermons. Uh, and then he sped off into the night. And he never got done because the judge was apparently so terrified of what might happen if he should put him away. So, you know, yeah, he existed wow. in this way in the similar way of McAfee where it's like it's like the fucking institution allows this small little thing where what exists is so outrageous and so uh laughing in the face of everything that they know to be like right and true that they can't possibly prosecute it like I'm, I don't even you know McAfee's done right now but come on this isn't the fucking end surely not tax no, evasion of course not. yeah tax ev- <laughs> and like tax evasion is like you know uh, a white collar crime right which yeah. um as we know very scarcely results in any serious reprimand um yeah, we like our millions. but um <laughs> it's, it's cool that you bring up hunter s thompson because i recently reread his um autobiography kingdom of fear have you read that before <laughs> yeah 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 it's fucking really powerful um yeah. and i think it was written in like 2006 or no 2002 i think um just at the start of the sort of war on terror um and it's really interesting because he um pretty much predicts the predicament that we're in now in terms of like the surveillance state um and kind of like mass mm, i mean it's a heavy word but oppression by capitalist interests Mm. um and describes the way that the war on terror is going to be used as a vehicle for consolidating um sort of centrist interests and says all of this while obviously reflecting on his own life um and the battles that he's had to try and sort of implement some sort of rogue justice which Mm. is fucking insane like i mean there are his own stories similar to the one you just described in that book which are like beautiful and chaotic yeah 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 but at the same time you can tell that he wasn't built for this world you know and like he laughed in the face of institutions to borrow your phrase which is like you know just mind-bogglingly uh 
powerful and awe-inspiring, but you get this impression that even though he was able to live his most authentic life, he never really found a place to call home or to feel safe or to feel like he belonged. Yeah, and well, I it's think, pretty exhausting doing what they do, man. Exactly. You know? And I think even though his work was celebrated and applauded, I think the entire time there was, st- there was still an extent to which people were, liked him because he was such a freak show. Yeah. Um, and didn't act like... I think this comes across in his autobiography, which is the last thing he published before he killed himself, um, that he he had the success and the acclaim and the adoration, but I don't think he felt understood, which is well, a shame. People see the good time, you know, and I think that's what they're attracted to. And, like, mm. there's so many obnoxious uh, pieces that are sort of like, I went and party with Hendrix Thompson. It's so wild. I did, like, cook, you know, drink whiskey. Yeah. And it's just, like... The whole point was the beautiful writing and the talking about like, you know, it was like a eloquent version of all gas, no breaks in the sense that it was just like, you know, going to like a fucking race and getting really involved with what it meant to be a part of it and being a part Mm. of it. Like, you know, living the American dream of getting rich and, um, you know, how the subculture sort of works and how it ultimately uh, falls to, you know, the victim of like degenerate behavior because it's built on excess, because it's built on getting rich and celebrating and being free, which is all beautiful stuff. But when it's comboed, like eventually being free turns into a Roman orgy because I mean, you know, it feels great to rise to the top. And as soon as you're there, you want to celebrate. And as soon as you celebrate, you celebrate, you know, brutally. Terribly. Terribly. And you give rise to your like fucking innate desires, which are always disgusting, always. No matter who mm. you are, I don't care how fucking straight edge you are, you know, like, <laughs> and I think it's the same thing with McAfee. But if you ignore that and you just say, like, oh, that was such a good time, you know, like, uh, sex and drugs, you're missing the whole fucking point, really. Yeah, you, yeah, exactly. You know, um, yeah. it's, uh, yeah, which is kind of sad that he, I think, you know, I got that just as well. Um, he worshipped Burroughs. Uh, Mm-hmm. which I think Burroughs got the whole deal of being like, which is weird because a lot of people at least... We should say, I'll just outline as well, we mean William S. Burroughs. Yeah, William S. Burroughs, yeah. who wrote Junkie and Naked Lunch um, and also has this incredible tale of like murdering his wife. He was a massive heroin addict and a trust fund kid. So he was really wealthy and he outlines that as well. He's not a dick about it. Um, but you know, he basically outlines how he had this money and always liked the feeling of crime, you know, and he was always attracted to the feeling of doing wrong, but his whole tale of, um, being a heroin addict is fucking incredible because it outlines the freedom you have in the States to, you know, be anyone you want and like create, uh, and you know, like he started a fucking massive plantation of some kind. I can't remember what it was. Well, he would just defeat his heroin addict that was like reasonably successful, uh, but but got driven down to Mexico because he could committed some crimes. I can't remember exactly what they were. So he was hiding out in Mexico where he like turned into a you know an even bigger heroin addict, um, and ultimately shot his wife uh, when they were trying to play William Tell and you know like shoot the apple off the head. And he was fucked up on heroin, so he Jeez missed a Christ. shot in the face. Yeah, and then he, like, disappeared to um, Morocco to escape murder charges and um, became, you know, was just 
there blowing fucking heroin into his veins. Uh, and his buddies, who are also beat writers, I think it was like Jack Kerouac. Uh, I might be wrong on that. Or Alan something or other. Um, Alan Ginsberg. Yeah, Alan Ginsberg was definitely there. Mm. Uh, went to go save him and make sure that he was okay. And he'd just been scribbling nonsense on pages. And apparently they found him in this like massive fucking writing in the midst of like withdrawing from heroin. Uh, you know, and was like, wow, this is genius. And his book became Naked Lunch, which is one of the most, you know, widely renowned pieces Ooh. of writing. But he was never known as like, well, I'm, he might've been known, but he wasn't known in the way that Hunter S was, you know, mm. for being like having a wild time. That was just kind of like a thing that he did alongside of creating shit. Mm, yeah, right. I, um, I've read Junkie, but not Naked Lunch. Maybe I should check that out. Although I, It's fucking the, not good, man. I didn't like it at all, but check it out. Well, I was just about to say, maybe it sounds like I wouldn't actually like it, though, because it, it sounds incoherent it's, and ridiculous. I have never read anything that I find disgusting before that I couldn't mm. stomach, but this is disgusting, man. I, there's pieces of this where he's talking about, like, orgies of shit and cum and blood and like you know young boys um and like just shitting and fucking and doing heroin and bleeding out their fucking whatever orifice jesus all right yes yeah. okay bodily fluids <laughs> you know and it's just like it like smells like i can smell it when i'm reading it that's like fucking hell that if i want to piss anyone man. off i'll just read them a, a paragraph of naked lunch you know mm. Get the fuck yeah, that's the something that always turns me off about the beat generation, man. Like, people obviously celebrate the beatnik generation, those writers, because, you know, they produce some fucking great stuff. But they also yeah. sounded like de degenerate cunts. Like, <laughs> I don't think they were good people, particularly. Timothy Leary is like, such a fuckwit, I reckon. Who's that, sorry? He's the guy that was like... Oh, Timothy Leary, you said. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Him and Burroughs um, had beef. Yeah, but, sorry, carry on. Yeah. I know like you and I have talked about separating like the individual from the art before and that's like an ongoing thing that we're probably going to revisit more because yeah. it just is such an interesting um, and difficult to complete conversation. Yeah. But th these guys were fucking assholes most of the time, dude. Like yeah. I think their writing is interesting because they lived on the fringes and, and whatnot and they had unique insights and they were also unafraid to push the envelope. But um. You know, I think if you spoke to most people that these dudes encountered, like they wouldn't have nice things to say about them. No, that's true. Um, I think I've gotten to a place where I can recognize. Fuck, this is wanky. What a wanky way to start something. Like, I've got to a place where I can. Oh, okay. I'm gonna fucking rewind on that. Um, you can detect like inauthentic writing. I think. Um, and and from the beat writers. I think there's a lot of cases where you can read people who think of it's something, some big movement. Um, and they're like, you know, oh, you know, taking acid, man, really opens your mind to the world. And you see how corporate structures keep us down. But acid and free love, and that's really what what's good in life. And, you know, you read shit like that and you think, fuck, like, you are so full of shit. I've met you a type million fucking times. We talked about this, mm -hmm. you know, the, the predatory um, fucking, you know, like cannabis and rave culture where you yeah. get those like mythical, cre uh, mythical guys who are so edgy. In reality, they're like 26 years old and dating fucking, you know, like Brongos. 15 year olds. Yeah. <laughs> and try to lead them astray. They're like the fucking Pied Piper of pedophilia. Um, Wonderful and um, alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Nice. It came out all right. But, uh, you know, you can detect it. It's bullshit. Whereas you read, like, Hunter S. and Burroughs and John McAfee are all self-aware enough to know the bullshit that exists within their own fucking um, break of the institutions. Like, Hunter S. had that whole line in Fear and Loathing where he talks about, um, you know, everyone thinking that the acid generation had clued into some crazy you know, new insight when in reality it was just a drug telling them that they had, which I fucking love, which is one of the things yeah, that always right. fucks me up. You know, you think like, oh man, I'm having these deep thoughts right now and they're so like mind blowing and shit. In reality, that's the drug. That's the effect. It's just like, mm. you know, your thoughts are probably, your thinking of insight and clarity is probably the chemical reaction in your head um, that is making you think that you're having, like I, I remember writing down a bunch of shit when I was on some shit and reading it back the next day and it was nonsense and drool and it didn't make any sense and and the stuff that did make sense was so fucking like plain like life is for living <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> you write it down and you're like whoa fuck <laughs> uh, yeah yeah um i get that <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you want to challenge me on that go to reddit sorry just to interject quickly go to reddit and look at people who um are writing about how acid has changed their life and then read what they're writing about and a lot of it comes back to like oh, i just feel okay doing what i'm doing and stuff like that and it's like oh so is that acid mm -hmm. or is that you just fucking you know like that sounds like a pretty normal thing to adjust to that kind of happens with age i think yeah, I think I think um, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. I think psychedelics yep. can um, can lead you to make realizations that aren't profound, but that your everyday life uh, keeps obscured from you. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I don't think it's it's realistic to you know uh, eat some mushrooms or drop some acid and think that you're gonna like come up with some new theory of the universe because that just doesn't happen. Yeah. But um to to do that shit and then realize that maybe you're comfortable with a certain aspect of yourself or where your life is going is like, yeah, it's nice, but it's also not that intense. Um, yeah. Yeah. And actually I agree with you on that. Cause I do do that anyway. Um, and that is something that I really enjoy about, you know, like taking drugs, uh, mm. is, is getting that perspective anyway, you know, like getting like the third person perspective. It's kind of the same thing I get from, you know, from the days of when I would see a therapist or whatever. And you're sort of mm -hmm. sitting there like talking about your life and sort of like working it through. And then you, you come to, you know, natural conclusions. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm going to grab a glass of water. All right. I'm going to take a piss. <laughs>
and for about a week or something i was noticing that whenever i walked out of my front door in the morning and like closed the door and walked down the stairs like one or two birds would like quickly fly out of the tree as if i had like scared them and i was thought to myself like oh like that's nice these birds are living in this tree mm. and it happened like several times and i was like maybe they're eating something in the tree or like they just like it and then for whatever reason i didn't think to look into the tree mm. and then the other day i came home and i was like i'm gonna see what these birds are up to in this tree maybe there's something in there and i found a little nest with two tiny eggs and then I was like, oh, that's so fucking beautiful. These birds are, have a nest in this tree right next to my front door. Like, that's yeah. great. And then the next time I looked, the mum was sitting on the eggs. And I was like, huh, that's really nice. And now I'm looking forward to being able to see these baby birds get hatched and like witness this beautiful uh, little, you know, piece of life uh, right outside my house. That is nice. Hmm. That is really nice. Um, yeah. I think so too. I feel as though a lot of <laughs> listeners yeah. will probably be like, oh, that's not profound. Like, why are you saying that? Yeah. And my response is, it's not meant to be profound. I just like it. So eat a dick. Um, <laughs> None of this matters. Yeah. I'm allowed to be happy that baby birds are living outside my house. <laughs> this doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, good on you. Like, I fucking firmly believe, I've kind of had this thought, in my head recently um that none of this does matter it's all pointless man like you may as well just enjoy little things throughout yeah, your day word up. um exactly you, you know ugh, i just i can't get it out of my head that the bulk of what you do probably doesn't matter very much um you know whether you like it or not uh you can try and I'm, i'd be happy to prove it wrong but i don't think it does i think most shifts in the world and history and whatever you want to actually be a part of if that's your goal uh don't fucking matter but little things like that really do you know like they're they so do. yeah so profound for me it's having a cup of coffee and peeing off my deck it's so fucking good every fucking yeah. day you know it probably pisses uh. the neighbor off but like i don't care i just think man as long as you get to experience that then who gives a shit you know yeah i feel you man um small little little moments like yeah. If you can get to the age of like 90 and you're just lying on your bed and you're like, yeah, I might die today, but you can just like look back and kind of be like, yeah, I like had some good days. Yeah. <laughs> then that's probably what you're going to care about more than whether or not you like influenced some political movement or ideology or created some massive systemic shift in like a cultural institution or yeah. some bullshit. Well, I, I talk a lot. Uh, well, I have talked before about how I walk through this rest home um, every single day. Well, not every day, mm. but whenever I go to the gym. Um, yeah. You know, and I stop and wave at the elderly. Ah, oh, he's back! <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, or it's just like a nice little thing that I like to do. Um, and I fucking always think, man, like, man, I might end up like reasonably soon, like not, not very long. Uh, you know, the last X amount of years that I've been alive have gone so fast and now it's just faster and faster. And at this point I've just stopped caring. I'm like, you know, I'll probably be like 50 next year. And then the year after that, I'll be like, you know, 65 and the year after that, I'm going to be like dead. So yeah, you know, I only have like three <laughs> I, um... years left in my mind of that's how <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to exactly. feel. You know? Yeah. I get you. And yeah. what do I want? at the end of it because that's all that matters i'm like trying to build everything now for that 
point where you're like 93 or whatever and you're sitting there and some fucking you know uh scrappy cunt is walking through your front yard to go to the gym and you know like what, what do i want it fucking to happen at that point and i just think man if i'm like sitting in my little unit and like you know hayden's across the way and some other cunts are sprinkled around the rest home or whatever and i can go have a vb and laugh about like the bullshit that we've done oh the modern guilt days the modern guilt i'll tell you what we had a pretty good run i reckon (laughs) that was a bit of fun mate we should um we should aim to live in the same retirement village one day that's all be good do you want anything else like you know what i mean <laughs> like oh yeah just i mean the same retirement nothing village. else matters at that point right yeah man yeah your retirement village with your mates and like that's mm. kind of it i've heard like shit gets loose in those places as well so i'm pretty down for that you know i've heard some freaky yeah. fucking stories um, of, like my mum has worked in aged care for a very long time um, yeah. and yeah she has shared some interesting tales really um where'd you at the rest mm. time Mm, that's what i've heard no okay (laughs) none of them can get a fucking hard on dude they are like pretty like depraved though um i think a lot of people when they become senile or demented they um seem to revert back to this kind of like sexual hunger um and even though like they wouldn't be able to fuck anything if they if their life depended on it they like behave as if they could um that's so so like i think that's why like there's that kind of trope in media and stuff of like the dirty old man you know like there might be some thing where like a nurse is checking on an old man in a hospital when he's like oh you're gonna scratch my balls for me or something (laughs) like they're just fucking losing their he's got like a few hours left before he dies like what are you gonna do yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) i'll get your balls scratched do you know Um, what's funny is that no matter what sort of profound statements you want to make about life or whatever, uh, you know, or imagine like what it's going to be like at the end. If you look at people who are already at the end and all they want is like one last tap on the ass before they fucking bounce. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what does that tell you about the meaning of life look at that look at that and then dictate what you're gonna do whether you're gonna fucking you know chill or go down the mcafee route or whatever uh yeah think about that Hmm. good question actually i mean a good good theoretical to to pose Hmm. um no one gets to the fucking rest home man and like swans around well i'm sure they do but no one worth talking to at the rest home walks around and talks about like you know, how they made VP by fucking 30 or some shit. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. No shit. one gives a fuck about that, dude. Yeah. Um, fuck off. There's some shaylers coming. You yeah, know, like, exactly. Yeah. I don't want to um, have a beer with that guy. No way. Oh, imagine it. Still talking about it too, probably, you know? Oh, I was running, I was yeah. running my department pretty efficiently back in uh you know we're smashing sales records in a, oh, I couldn't believe it. I cut a hundred jobs. Yeah. Shut Fuck up. Fuck with. Um, Asshole. There's a guy at my gym called Roy, and he is this good like. Count. Yeah, real good kind. I'm sure I've talked about him, but I'll bring him up again just for this conversation. Um, I actually worked for him. He runs a knitting fucking factory or some shit. He doesn't know that I worked for him. I'm going to tell him one day, but I haven't told him yet. Um, and he's like, 
always flirting with these like younger girls who seem to like him a lot um how old is this dude oh he's like 85 or some shit man he's real right but you know he's he down at the gym dude he's just fucking loved like people fucking love him there Mm. you know and there's all these young like around my age young uh women who are like right oh my god and he goes over he's like okay darling i'll show you how to work your triceps you know <laughs> like full on just fucking like grab their arm and just like yeah you pull it down real slow um because he's dutch or some shit but yeah uh i was chatting to him about like bali or something some you know pointless conversation about like travel and how you can't do it because of coronavirus like who gives a fuck um, mm. and he started telling me about like how he's been all around bali since like the 1980s and how he's traveled all across the world and he started a business that was you know really successful and he wasn't like dabbing on me he was just fucking telling me about his wife uh his life and mm. it sounded incredible and he's so happy now and i just thought man fuck we'd all be so lucky to end up like roy you know just he's like basically flat out was like oh i've only done what i wanted to and everything worked out really well so there you go yeah, no. Kathy's happy. That's... Hunter killed himself, but you know, I'm sure he was fucking stoked. Could you imagine if Hunter didn't kill himself and he was writing pieces on like, you know Right now. Right now. And... That would be fucking cutting edge shit. Oh, it'd be incredible. But my, my point was more like, could you imagine if he didn't live loose and he just fucking towed the line of oh, like well, normality? Yeah. No one would no know one would him. remember him. And he wouldn't have had any fun. So Exactly. Yeah. yeah um well let's wrap it up that's yeah, cool. our uh, like treatise on life um, <laughs> for better or worse <laughs> uh, Pretty much. that was a that was an unusual path that this episode took i wasn't yeah. expecting this yeah um, it was really yeah i just wanted to talk so about renegades and this should be proof to the audience that we are mostly freestyling this um if you didn't <laughs> already think so so um thank you for listening fucking man we've noticed that we've received a massive um uptick in plays um and the audience continuing to grow like kind of more quickly than we would expect so we just want to yeah i guess like thank everyone from the bottom of our tiny happy little hearts (laughs) um (laughs) and Please, if you enjoy the podcast, you know, share this shit, send it around because, you know, we put our heart and soul into this and we think other people will enjoy it too. Um, Go and review us on your preferred streaming platform, Five Stars, so that the people might stumble across this and uh, be alerted to its value. Mm. And we love hearing from you guys as well. That's Mm. my favorite part. Very much so. Yeah. so if you want to tell us something, ask us a question or whatever, you can hit us up on Instagram at modernguiltpod or email us modernguiltpod at gmail.com. I think that's it, Damon. Was there anything else that we needed no, to add? That's cool. Coming up, I think we we're talking about doing a movie review. Mm, yes. We are going to have a little bonus episode, yeah. much like the presidential debate response. The hilarious, uh, it's definitely not hilarious. I can't fucking go on saying that. Um, we're going to talk about the act of killing. Um, it's not funny. 
uh, but it's worth checking out if you haven't seen it. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how the word hilarious popped into your head then. Yeah. But um, that's all right. Yeah. I actually saw it on a, uh, one of the first dates I went on. Um, I know we're oh, wrapping nice. this up, but just think about that when you watch it and think about how bad it must be to date me. So. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, Check it out, guys. Okay. Active killing. Cool. All right. Peace out. Love yous. Bye.